Today is December 16th, and the Yankees have brought back Brett Gardner. They've lost Didi Gregorius. They've lost Austin Romine, and they are bringing back Adam Warren. How about that? We also have a really fun conversation with Jack Curry live from Winter Meetings. Let's talk Yanks. Talking Yanks with old John Boy, John Boy Jake. Caps galore, and weekly awards, stat lines, steaming hot takes. Your Yankees news with these two fine dudes. It's time for Talking Yanks. Talking Yanks with old John Boy, John Boy and Jake. Talking Yanks with old John Boy, John Boy and Jake. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to Talking Yanks. Episode number 369. I am one of your hosts, John Boy, coming to you from New York City, and I've got my co-host and best friend coming to you from Denver, Colorado, wearing a shirt I've never seen him wear before. Interested to find out what it is. His name's Jake Story Alley. How you doing, Jake? You're going to feel like a fool. You're going to feel like a fool in a second, Jim. You own this same shirt. Oh yeah, I haven't. I didn't put it on. La Vida Baseball. Hey, I'm wearing their hat. Big shout outs from La Vida I Baseball. Know you are. They had us on their show, Julie and Jennifer. Super nice. So uh, La Vida Baseball. How about that? Also, Go you're also out. you're wearing your Easton hat. So we're just wearing all the free garb we get from places we go. Dude, this this may sound braggy. I don't know. We're we've definitely entered full free garb territory. Of of whatever we're doing in the baseball world, and it's becoming a problem. <laughs> my my drawers haven't shut in a couple weeks, and it's like, I mean, it's not in a great way. Like it's it's definitely not a braggy way. Roosevelt's, I've got some powerful shirts. This La Vida baseball, Easton. So been a crazy couple weeks. Good to talk Yanks. Coach Ballgame, give a shirt. Yeah. Thank you, everyone that tuned in last episode. It was easily our most downloaded episode. Of course, everyone's excited because the Yankees got Cole. We were excited. Super fun episode to record live from winter meetings after having a couple sips of wine. So that's awesome. And hopefully a bunch of you listened and that was your first episode and you're uh, hanging around for more. We got a lot to talk about. We have an interview from winter meetings that's going to be part of this episode. But first, let me tell you who's bringing you this show. Show It is Derek Fern, Joseph Herman, spelled with an H and two N, so different from Domingo. Thomas Risley, Carson Grover, <coughs> Matt Mike. That's a weird name. Matt Mike. Mike's his last name. Love it. Matt Mike. Mike Matt. Sam Abramson. Abramson, Nicholas Monaco, and Jaime Sanchez. Well, thank you. Those are our most recent Patreon subscribers and supporters. It's $2 a month, and I just hooked everyone that supports us on Patreon up. I gave them the Netflix version of our winter meetings. I put every interview that we did that's going to eventually be on this podcast up for the patrons on YouTube. They can... They can listen to them, and they will be on the show. So we have Jack Curry has already been up. It'll be part of this episode. Brian Hoke, he'll be a future episode. That one's up. Phil Hughes, that'll be a future episode. Phil Nevin, that'll be a future episode. Marley Rivera, Meredith Morakovitz, those are all 
uh, already up for the patrons to binge listen to, and they will be part of, you know, if you don't want to be a patron, we get it. If you can't afford it, that's fine. It'll be part of this podcast. It's not secret content, but early access goes to the patrons who I genuinely love because they support us. So thank you. Go do that. Thanks, Patreons. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Jim, did you hear the the Cole recruiting detail that leaked out today that ties into our last episode? Wine. Fetch me my wine. Yeah. How about that? Full circle. Cole and his pops are big wine guys, and supposedly Booney brought up, hey, this is a pretty nice Malbec. Maybe you guys will like this. <laughs> so yeah, that I mean, full the one. The Garrett Cole signing is just surrounded by different wine. Fetch me my wine. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, because we did Garrett Cole, we touched on Didi a little bit. We didn't really touch on Didi fully, but I think we have some thoughts there because kind of said, like, uh, in last episode, uh, all we basically said was we knew it was coming, so we're not devastated. But Didi deserves more than that. Didi went from being booed and people chanted Derek Jeter at, a, at him uh, when he replaced Jeter and he was the worst base runner I ever saw and he couldn't get out of his own way to being beloved and kind of he was one of the true branches from that 2014-2015 weird kind of old kind of like not our Yankees to beloved 2017-2018 teams so, I mean, you got to appreciate him for bridging that gap and everything. Uh, I, I didn't think he was coming back, so I kind of made up, made, I had my, I got over that. So some people were like sad. I had already done that. Um, wish him the best. I'm really happy he took a one-year deal and didn't take a, a multi-year offer for, you know, a low AAV. And he's taking a prove it, prove it year. And hopefully he gets big money next free agency. Yeah, and it's uh, I mean, it's kind of a tough break for Didi. A lot of a lot of Yankee eyes have been feeling bad for Dellen, which I, I mean, you can too. But Dellen actually, he he might get a nice little contract with the lack of relief pitching out there. We'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, Didi, classic sports saying you never want to be the guy after the guy, and he was, <laughs> he was, he was the guy after like the dude, Derek, Jarek Dieter. And yeah, man, I, I think it kind of goes overlooked. Like, this dude batted third a lot for us. He he played a really quality defensive shortstop. He ends up having a fairly bizarre injury for a field player. Unfortunately, us Yankee fans are kind of used to it now with Glaber and Hicksie. He played, he played through it in the postseason as well. Played through it, and like clearly you look back and be like, yeah, something was definitely up, huh? So, yeah, it's weird. Didi, uh, there's kind of some weird vibes because of like he played in the playoffs with the injury, but he played poorly. And then this year, you know, the numbers weren't where they have been. So it is cool that he's betting on himself. He is a player that does need to benefit a little bit from a hitter's park. And Philadelphia has that for him as well. Uh, he's got a manager he's very familiar with, with Joe Girardi. So happy for Didi. Yeah, I know. And I forget if we said it on air with Curry, but Jack Curry was like, you know, he he was saying if Didi hit free agency and he had a normal Didi year, you could see a guy like that approach a hundred million. He's betting on himself. It'll be cool to see uh, if he could put it together in Philly what he could do on the open market. Yeah, and we had heard that you know he may he may he had offers that were may have been higher numbers, but he really wanted the one year to prove it, and he really liked get back together with Girardi, which. You know, yeah, we, we heard we heard that from a trusted source, which just goes to show like 
so many people still hang on that, like Girardi lost the clubhouse because that's how they had to sell moving on when really it just needed to change, change the guard because it had been 10 years. And think about it. I, I mean, you and I, we, we spin our wheels a lot, whether it's here or talking baseball on, you know, guys are going to take the most money. Um, and 90% of the time that's the case, but you know, the 10% of the time you run into a situation like Didi where you want to bet on yourself so you can make more money next time. And I mean, like, think about that, the familiarity with Didi, he doesn't have to learn a new coach or anything like that. He's, he's going to go in there. He knows what he's getting into. Um, so that's big for him. Or if you're Madison Bumgarner, you have your horses in Arizona. So Topper's still with the Phillies too, right? Like, so it's Joe and Rob Thompson. I believe so, so there's yeah. A couple right? familiar faces for him there. Jack Jack Curry uh, just said on the hot stove show that he thinks Dellen's going to go somewhere else. So that's that's a bummer. I was really hoping if Dellen's going to get a one year deal from someone, I was really hoping the Yankees would give it to him. Yeah, I'm interested to see uh, with with the lack of relief pitching on the market. I'm wondering if it's like a a one year with a a good size option for the next year or what that looks like because. Uh, I don't know. I mean, teams are interested in Dellen, and he, uh, like I said, with Didi, who's who's being <laughs> a little overshadowed by Dellen, it's like, damn. I mean, he uh, he could be cleaning up right now, and instead he is in a weird spot. So uh, interested to see see how that sorts out. Are we rooting for the Phillies or not rooting for the Phillies to get Dellen? Not. Okay. Honestly, it would just be like I don't like the little reunion teams. Like, I wouldn't like okay. being a Colorado Rockies fan and seeing four guys on the same team. That's just me personally. It is okay. kind of cool. Like, I can understand why you would be like, I like it. They're all together. And then, but then I feel like I have to root for the Phillies. There's too many guys on there. I understand it, but I'd rather them go to some random team. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of in on it. Flip over to the Phillies game. It's the eighth inning. See Didi, Dellen, Girardi. That's a good time. Oh, wait. So now Carl Daniel is reporting to me that Jack is saying on Hot Stove that he thinks it's the Mets or the Phillies. I'd rather him go to the Mets and the Phil- rather him go to the Phillies and the Mets. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. OK, well, there uh, another guy that is leaving that has been around for a while. I think he's been around for longer in the organization than Didi for sure is Austin Romine. This dude is going to Detroit. One year, $4.1 million. He's going to get a chance to be their starting catcher because they're the worst team in baseball with no future, really, and they just need stopgap players and veteran presences. They had his brother, Andrew Romine, for a while, so maybe they're used to the family. You know what? I, I knew this was probably going to happen as well because like, I, the, the phrase I've been using is Higashioka is an itch that the Yankees want to scratch. <laughs> they want to see what they got there and give them the shot as the backup especially since Higgy's out of options. So you knew just like logically, like it doesn't make any sense for them to bring Romine back. Just didn't know if he was really not going to get any money on the free agency market, then it makes sense. Like just match it, whatever. We'll see. He gets, he gets pretty paid for Romine for a backup catcher and he gets the chance to be a starting catcher. And if he does really well with the Tigers for one year, then maybe that's his chance to go get a starting job somewhere else. Another like prove it contract for Romine. I don't know. Kind of like, thanks, Ro. He's, uh, it's very odd because like his 2017, he couldn't hit at all. 2018, he could hit, but he did have all these qualities that endeared himself to me and the fans. He was always good at talking after games constant dirt on his face did get in the fight with Miggy the Yankees talk about him so highly 
So I'm not like incredibly sad to see Romine go. But then when you really think about it, you're like, well, he was in an organization for 10 years. He's been here for so long. And then you get all like nostalgic about something that you didn't think you were going to be nostalgic about. Yeah, I mean it's it's insane, and I think it's I think it's closer to twelve years because he joined the Yankees out of high school. I mean he he played in nine games in twenty eleven for the New York Yankees. He played in sixty games in twenty thirteen. He was a big prospect. It kind of just didn't happen for him, and that's that's baseball, Susan. And then he turned into this like kind of your dream backup catcher. He's like the most liked dude on the team. He can put together a. a a couple nice hitting streaks. I mean, he ends up hitting 281 this year with a 748 OPS, which in the catching world ain't too shabby. I know uh, you and I befriended some uh, some of the Yankees analytics guys, and we had a, we had a couple fun conversations about Romine. Whether and it was kind of funny. I mean, those guys were pretty split. Like, hey, maybe he can put it together for a hundred plus games for a baseball team and and be a nice starter. Some of the other guys were a little up up in the air about it. Uh, if you're the Tigers, I mean, why not? Um, if, if he puts something together, maybe you flip him at the deadline or um, you get just get a nice year out of him. So uh, we bid him adieu. We wish him the best. And uh, yeah, the, the Higashioka thing is interesting because those same Yankees dudes we chatted with at winter meetings, uh, you know, they were talking pitch framing and we have the new catching coach um, and Higashioka is out of options. So everyone's Everyone was kind of on the Maldonado thing for a little bit, which I guess I'm not ruling out, but I it just feels like the Yankees aren't going to punt on Higashioka. Um, but if they sign someone, they'd have to. So I don't know. What if they get Maldonado? Uh, because if you don't know, Maldonado was Cole's personal catcher, and he does really good with them. What if they get Maldonado and they put him on the – they like sign him to a minor league contract and no one else offers him anything else – Higgy starts. They see if Cole can pitch to Gary. See if Cole can pitch to Higgy, and if it all comes crashing down, then they're like, "All right, Maldonado, you're up." Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still expecting Maldonado to get major league offers, so I don't think that's an option. But maybe. Um, yeah, for for me, it's a weird catch twenty two. Where I mean, Gary Sanchez has an injury history at this point. Catchers. Um, I think there was only seven catchers that played 120 games last year. So you want, I mean, if if you have to play Higashioka 50 games, I think you're fine with that. Uh, Romine's played, what, 70 plus the last three years. I, I think that gets me into a little bit of a scary territory with Higster. Um, so I don't know. That's uh, I, I don't have a pulse on that, to be honest. I could, if they signed Maldonado tomorrow, I wouldn't be shocked if they came in and rolled with Higgy, I wouldn't be either. Yeah. I think they're going to roll with Higgy. But they should get some depth because Higgy's out of options and, I don't know, injuries happen. Like, who's their third right now? Do they have a AAA catcher? Because for a while they didn't. It ended at Higgy. Yeah, I mean, they're they're going to invite someone to camp. I can try to bring up the, the free agent catchers quick. Um, That's not a combo we really I'm need to sh- deep dive into. Yeah, that's a string catcher. We can skip that. Check it. Yeah, check check out uh check out talking baseball if you if you think you might be into into something like that. Hey, Jim, you know who is out there? Who's that? Your guy Cervelli. (laughs) I don't know if you can bring Cervelli in uh, on a minor league deal. 
I think he might just rather I, like bathe in cologne and sip wine than come play in the minor leagues. Hey, you and me both, sister. All right, moving on. They bring back Guardy. We all knew it was going to happen. I think on this upcoming interview with uh, Jack Curry, we say, like, Guardy's going to be the next move. And he was. We actually ran into yeah. Gardner's agents at uh, winter meetings. They said they were big fans. I said, tell Gardner what a podcast is, then tell him to come on. They said, oh, oh, oh I don't know. Uh, but yeah. we're like, yeah, Guardy doesn't have any social media, so we text him your videos of him. <laughs> like, cool, thank you. They were, they were really nice guys, but they were there working it out. And it was like right after Cole and we were like, so you're good now. And they're like, yeah, trying to give him the best deal. And they got him a, a pretty nice deal. And Gardner got it for himself having a good season last year. Uh, I was going to like any deal really to bring Gardner back. So I'm happy that, you know, both, both sides found something and a way to do it. It is a little tricky. Uh, he gets $12.5 million of guaranteed money. The way it's split up, I find interesting. There's a $2 million signing bonus. So Gardner gets that as soon as he uh, pens his name on the paper. Then they're paying him $8 million for 2020 season. $8 million. Then if they don't want him back for 2021, there's a $2.5 million buyout. So that's the guaranteed money. A $2 million signing bonus, $8 million salary, that comes to $10. $2.5 million buyout, that comes to $12.5. Guaranteed money. So the AAV on this, I believe, is $10 million. Because I think the signing bonus counts keep, towards the AAV. Yeah, I keep flipping, flopping on it. I've seen 10 and I've seen 12 and a half, but yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what it is. And then if he has a really good 2000 if he has a really good 2020 and they want him back for 2021, there's a 10 million buy-in. So he'd be getting $10 million next year. What I like it, you know, Hicks is hurt and Hicks is kind of fucking, I'm nervous about Hicks's health. Obviously everyone should be Gardner's been a constant player. Like he will give you the games. They're trying their best to get him out of some games so they can keep him a little healthier but he can play center field still. He can be that intensely in the lineup still. He's just struggle with the bat every now and then. Dude, his like if you're into war, and I know that sometimes I'm into it and sometimes I'm not, and I think that's how everyone views war. Gardner's like really valuable. <laughs> it, the defense and the offense and the, the entire game and the base running, when you combine all of them, he's really, really valuable. I think if he wasn't on the Yankees, he'd be more uh, talked about. But the pinstripes actually kind of dull him down, and his teammates kind of dull him down. I think if he's a 10-year Kansas City Royal, he's, he's talked about a little better. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting mix, because I know you and I have run into the Cole Calhoun comparison a little bit, and I think that's semi-similar, and I think they're, they're kind of viewed in similar lights around baseball. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you look, 2018 is kind of the outlier. Uh, the past... Um, I mean, the past seven seasons, he's played 140 plus games for the New York Yankees, uh, which is insane. Um, and then, yeah, 2012 was the year he had his injury. If you go back further than that, I mean, the guys played basically uh, 140 plus games, nine out of 10 years. Um, yeah. And if, if he does what he does, what he did last year or 2017 or or hell 2015, I mean, they're going to pick up that option. Uh, and he'll be back. It's going to be interesting to see how how Brett Gardner's career winds down. A lot of people thought it was over the year before. 
Um, I'm not going to write off Uncle Brett until uh, uh, until the fat lady sings. But yeah, and uh, again, you have to appreciate like he played so much center field at age 35 last year. He, he had one of the more productive center field seasons. And, you know, we do all this. We, we just mentioned Didi going to Philly, betting on himself. Uh, other free agents are taking the best offer. Like, there were teams that probably wanted to give Brett Gardner more money for what he did last year, but it was kind of known around baseball, like, hey, he's staying in New York, which that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, we asked someone, and, like, they're like, hey, is Gardner going to come back? Someone that would know, and they were like, he's not playing for anyone else, I can tell you that. And it was, like, as, as simple as yeah. that. Why would you want to? Yeah. yeah. In 2010, Brett Gardner had more B-War than Christian Yelich did this year. That's weird, huh? Boom. Yeah. Good for Gardy. I'm excited about that one. I was I was nervous to lose like Dellen, CeCe, and Gardy in one fell swoop. Kind of a veteran in every facet of the game. Lineup, starting, and relieving. I, and it's not yeah, even like but- I don't think their presence is that much felt. It's more just for me personally, like they they have I have memories attached to those guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean you look you look at the first games Romine played and then you look at that lineup and it's like, is this lineup from two thousand one or twenty twenty eleven? But um yeah, it's 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 good to have Guardy back. Um I, I think the leadership stuff is interesting because, you know, CC obviously his presence and, and the way he goes about everything. Uh, I feel like Gardy, you know, he's a prankster, but he's also a lead by example guy. Like you're not going to outwork Brett Gardner and bring it day to day like he does. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's good he's still there. And it's kind of another year to pass the torch to Judge, Glaber, Gary, those guys. Yeah, uh, dude, so this opens up two slots on the 40-man now. I haven't looked into this. Have they done anything about this yet? Or have they not officially had to add Cole and Gardner? Uh, they haven't officially had to add them yet, so something is going to happen. Interesting, because now that's two guys yeah. that have to be moved. Yeah, our, our buddy Joe's was, was uh, banging the drum the other day because he's like... I mean, something has to happen, and there are the guys that could go, and I think we mentioned this in the Curry interview, t- too. I mean, Chance Adams is still on the team, um, and I think there was one other major outlier that we were like, yeah, the, the, the Yankees could be expendable with that person. But, yeah, you'd like you'd like to see a, a cute little Cashman trade sneak up, or, hell, how about not a cute one? Yeah. <laughs> Bring I'm, the hammer, Daddy. Yeah, or he just drops someone. So this is what I was referencing. From 2013 to 2019, Gardner has more war than Bryce Harper. Yeah. Isn't that in, you know, just because he plays so much and he does it on three sides of the game? Yeah. He, uh, he's, he's racked up, I mean, 12 and a half, <laughs> 12 and a half career defensive war is, is pretty wild. But, and he's, he's just out there and plays. Like, that's... Um, I don't know. It's been a kick I've been on for a little while now, but I mean, if you're healthy and playing, like people forget how valuable that is. And that's part of Bryce Harper's problem. Yeah. Yeah. And Hicks. So, so where do we have, oh, I was going to say this, maybe Chance Adams gets bumped from the 40 man and the Yankees basically just brought in, uh, the better version of Chance Adams, which is Adam Warren. He's back 
little caveat, he's not going to pitch at all in 2020. He just got Tommy John and he's hurt. And the Yankees signed him to a two-year minor league contract to give him the rehab year. And then maybe he can help out in 2021. It is funny. He was a Yankee. He gets traded to the Cubs. He gets traded back. They trade him to Seattle for nothing. Uh, some money. Now would they bring him back again? And I think I kind of like this move, even if the Yankees don't anticipate him like being a part of 2021. Just like, you know what, Warren? We'll pay for you to rehab so you get another shot at this thing. We like you. Like we've 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 fucked with you enough. We'll be the nice guy. Yeah. You uh you're familiar with the facilities, right? You know, get get healthy. If you could throw a couple bullets for us in twenty twenty one, let's do it. Uh if not, we, we bid you adieu. But yeah, I mean, are are we gonna be shocked at all if in twenty twenty one uh Adam Warren is out there twirling to the tune of a three five ERA and when we're up five runs like nope i've i've seen that i've seen that every other year for the past five years it feels like well yeah could use a a good mop-up guy i feel like we haven't had a good like solid mop-up guy in a while slash sesso was but we couldn't turn our brains on for it (laughs) yeah that's true that's true adam warren is a weird pitcher man he's swiss army knife and like every blade was dull but they still got the job done he's like the worst pitcher to have in a two-run game like the best pitcher to have in a five-run game yeah Oh, good for Warren. He's back. Back in pinstripes. Back. All right, so let's do a, a little, like, what is what is the roster and the lineup as of now? And then we'll, Ooh. and then, yeah, so we got Judge in right field, Gardner in center field, Stanton in left field, until Hicksie's healthy. Uh, I have Talkman as the fourth outfielder. We got Geo at third, Glaber at short. DJ at second, Voight at first. They did come out and say it's Voight's job out of spring training. There's not going to be a competition or anything. If he's healthy, it's his. That's good. I'm happy they, they said that and put the confidence in Voight right away. You got Gary behind the dish. You have Andujar there and Wade as the 26th man and Higgy as the backup catcher. So that makes a bench of Talkman, Andujar, Higgy, Wade. Who you got DHing? Andujar DHing with Stanton in left. Okay, so you'd prefer that over Talkman in left, Stanton DHing? You can do that too. I think you can. I think you can swirl that around. I don't think you know it needs to be one or the other. Obviously, they don't run out the same lineup every day, but those are the two main options. Yeah, and I guess you could do a little bit of platoon stuff there. Although Talkman was great versus lefties. Um, Talkman, something I haven't wrapped my head around because again, you you and I, I, I forget if we did this with Curry or Hoke, but there was that month and a half where he was the second best player in the American League. Uh, so it's going to be interesting if he if he reaches into that bag of tricks again. I mean, at, at this point, uh, like I have Talkman and Andujar getting at bats. Uh, however, it sorts out. Um, it will be interesting. I mean, do we think? Like another infield option is going to be brought in? Right now, you just have Wade as a backup infielder. Right. Uh, you, some, a lot of people are probably counting Andujar, but I'm not really. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. If he improved, we'll see. They keep showing us his swing. I know his swing's good. Someone gets hurt. Yeah, th- I think they're going to have to build up their depth a little bit, just like they did last year. So I imagine that we might get some weird trades for guys that were like, huh, he's going to AAA? Okay. Yeah. Or not. You might get another Vic reliever. Valera. 
I mean, the, the rotation's pretty fucking awesome. You got Cole, Paxton, Severino, Tanaka, Hap slash Gumby, um, Herman, if he's back from being suspended or whatever. And then they probably will still try to trade Hap if someone's interested. And the market now with so many pitchers getting signed and Kluber getting traded, there's a lot of teams out there still looking for pitchers. And if there's someone that believes in Hap, they might just do it. Yeah, hey, in September Hap, you know I'm all about that. Um, I, that's another one I have no idea. I, I just, you know, you guys come here for your Yankees insight. I got nothing for you. Hap's traded tomorrow, not shocked at all. If Hap throws 159 innings for us, because I think 160 is when his option kicks in, I'm not surprised. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know, but that's what I got. All right. Uh, Cole's presser is on Wednesday. That should be fun. He's got to dude. a lot of people bringing up this shaving thing. Like he's going to shave. He has to shave. That's those are the rules. Do you think it'll ever change in our lifetime? No, I hope not. Okay. It's, it's like no one's bigger than that rule. I don't care what the rule is. It could be that you have to wear, you know, pink socks when you play, as long as there's something that when you join the team, you got to fall in. I think it's. I think that's what makes it a, a positive thing. Is that like when CC and Pettit are sharing ways of how to grow their five o'clock shat stubble so they can feel like warriors on the mound? That's like them doing some secret galvanizing stuff. Like that's like how you build relationships in a locker room, and it's just like that's what you do when you join the Yankees. No one has been bigger than it, so no one's going to be bigger yeah. than it. I'm 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 interested to see. I mean, it's kind of the millennial way to to question things. Like I forget what was you and I got into a, a bicker this season. It was something about home runs or circling the bases or something. I forget. And you were saying like, why does that have to be there? And I kind of said like, it's in the rules. It's it's been in the rules. Keep it. Roll with it. And you were saying why? I think people are starting to do that with the beard thing. I don't want to see it go. I personally like it, but I I don't know. Like I wouldn't. I'm too wishy-washy this episode. I need hot takes, but I, I don't know. Like it, It's getting kind of loud that I could see at some oh, point the Yankees no. being like, fuck it. Oh, honestly, like this is uh, there's certain things that make the, the boomer in me come out. These sure. like young kids that are like crying about the rule, I can't help. I'm just like, oh, my God, you guys are so soft to use internet talk. I don't really, I yeah. don't really use that phrase. If you're honestly crying about Garrett Cole not being able to have his stubble on his face, like you're so soft. What about when your your beard got shaved? I mean, if I was playing for the Yankees, I would shave my beard. I did it for a bet. Wow, rumor. It's just annoying. It's just so stupid. <laughs> People are like, bring to the Yanks. New York made it illegal for uh, for employers to make yeah. their employees shave shut up oh shut up <laughs> that's uh yeah i mean that's that's the generation we're living this dude tweeted me for for sake of argument and i was like oh i'm gonna stop you right there why would i want to do that no nope. why would we wait? hey nope. for sake of argument fuck you it's like oh cool for, for sake of argument fuck you too like why why would you ever start a conversation for for sake of argument like not interested man yeah not not trying to argue just to argue like what the fuck hardest of passes yeah hard no hard no for sake of not arguing i'm gonna pass
<laughs> That's a good reply. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's throw it to the the conversation we have with Jack Curry. I know in the Lindsay Adler episode, you could see that Jack was right next to us. He just walked over, gives you some Swedish fish. It was cool in winter meetings. So finally, we got him to come over and sit down with us, talked about David Cohn's book, talked about Buck Showalter being in a booth with them, talked about uh, this season and the coal siding. So enjoy it. Thank you guys very much. Here's some ads and then Jack Curry. Live from winter meetings, we are joined Jack Curry, first guest in the history of Talking Yanks, author of Full Count, Yes Network veteran. Thank you for sitting down with us. Great to be here, guys. I've been 50 feet away from you for the whole week, so yes. we've been chatting. We're now going to do it in an official way. Yeah. Well, you, you appeared on Lindsay Adler's episode, episode That's of Talking right. Yanks. Yes. So you were featured. I did you sneak into Lindsay's the episode. That's right, with Swedish some Swedish fish. fish. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. Jack, that, was, that wasn't cool. <laughs> and I, I still need you to know that. But thank you. I think we still have some more over there if you get the munchies. So I think the, the main thing, everyone that we spoke with last winter meetings, we've just been, how much better is this year? Like, everything's happening. You want action. Yeah. You, you don't want to come here and, and stand around and not see teams doing anything. So this has not been boring. This has been fun. This has been exciting. John Flaherty and I did an interview with Sweeney Murdy earlier, and I said, this is fun. This is yeah. why you get into this business is to cover transactions like we did yesterday and then opine on it. And, and where does Cole fit in? And do the Yankees have the best rotation in baseball? And yes, for the last couple, of, I agree. And for yeah. the last couple of off seasons, we, we haven't had that. It's been tepid. Tepid and luxury tax and is there the labor stuff and no one's getting paid and, and now, you know, we're answering a lot of questions. Guys are getting paid. Uh, the best pitcher in baseball just made the most money, so that makes sense. And he's coming to the Yankees, so that makes sense. Do you think, you think Cash has something up his sleeve? So, something we've been kind of stumbling into is, again, this 40-man roster is full. Uh, there's a lot of guys throughout the injuries last year. Uh, that got an opportunity and showed stuff. Some, someone like Mike Ford's got a higher value than he ever has. Um, and, you know, there are these kind of I won't say excess pieces, but it's a catch-22 because after seeing last year's injuries, do we hold on to a lot of those guys? Or or what What did Hope call it? Increasing the margin somewhere on this Yankees team? Yeah, something like, that. like do you think Do you think Cash has a little little something up his sleeve or what? I would never doubt that he does. Uh, they, they put their work in. I think they're always looking at doing things. What might be up his sleeve? I'm not really sure. I, I think there's a belief that Jay Happ could be traded. Um, they're going to be really up against that final tier of luxury tax. Right. Do they want to try and move Hap? But even in that scenario, you're not necessarily in a rush to do that. I mean, maybe you wait a little longer and see how spring training pans out, and do you need the extra arm? I mean, we've all heard the speculation. I think Joel Sherman was the first to write it a few months back. If a guy like Lindor was available, could the Yankees swoop in and make that deal? And the thing I keep saying about that is that would be fantastic. Of course you would want sure. Francisco Lindor. Yeah. But remember, it's going to have to be painful on your end what yeah. you're going to give up. You're not just going to give up three or four guys that are a little more relevant, on, less relevant on your roster to get somebody like a Lindor. Do you think it's likely that they re-sign Gardner and that's it? That's the offseason? I think that's possible. And a bullpen I, I, guy maybe, something maybe like that. Maybe a bullpen guy, but I think the Gardner marriage, I'd be shocked if that doesn't continue. I, I yeah. have to believe there's a reunion there. But they're a pretty stacked team right now. Yeah, pretty um, good. And if the Red Sox are worried more about reorganizing money mm -hmm. than winning, that helps. And uh, if Houston's, we'll see what's going on that with them. But uh, 
Well, the, Yankees hurt, the Yankees hurt Houston. Yeah. 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 And now Garrett Cole is a Yankee. So Houston will still be very good, and we'll see what happens with the, the sign-stealing stuff. I know MLB Manfred said today there won't be a decision until 2020 at some point. But I said on one of our show, shows earlier, to me the Yankees are the favorite to win the World Series right now, now that they have Cole. Yeah, they have to be. I think that, uh, And I think probably. Vegas says the same. I think Dodgers and Yankees are both same same money line in Vegas. Man, yeah. we, we, we root for good stuff in baseball like we started with this winter meetings. I, I think there's a Lindor Dodgers rumor out there now. Man, if we if the Dodgers if the Dodgers could increase their margins, the Yanks just did theirs. <laughs> Look at you. Yankees, Dodgers. I mean that's that's baseball, Susan. That's what a lot of folks wanted to see in twenty nineteen and, <laughs> yeah. and it didn't work out. Yeah. And then we ended up getting a great World Series. Yeah. That was a very entertaining World Series. But I Yankee fans and all the folks who listen to your your show and watch our shows. I mean, they they should be thrilled right now. Yeah, I mean, this was a George Steinbrenner move. This was out of the George Steinbrenner playbook. I I interviewed George dozen of times, and he loved stars. He wanted marquee <laughs> names. He, he wanted the Yankees to be bigger and bolder and badder than anyone. And part of making that happen is is getting the stars. Garrett Cole's a star. Yeah, they won the headline so far, and then they're probably going to win a lot of games. I want to talk about your book though. Uh, it's awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks a lot. It was a big, big year for us, and it was a big year for you. And is this your first book? No, no, no. I did a book uh, about 20 years ago with a guy you might have heard of, uh, Derek Jeter. Okay. Well, I was 10, uh, so I apologize. I couldn't read yet, and Jake's still struggling. Where? Oh, no. <laughs> it was called The Life You Imagine. Uh, that was a fun book to work on. Oh, yeah. Jeter was oh, about yeah. oh, 25 I, or I 26. That. I read yeah. that, yeah. yeah. I was very happy to do it. It was the first book I wrote. It was, it was great to get to know the process. I liked working on this book with Coney more. Yeah. Uh, Coney is a pitching genius, and every time I interviewed him, I would say to my wife, I can't believe all the stuff I just learned. I can't believe what Cone just told me about X. And we ended up sitting down 42 times. We had 42 different interviews. So there was a lot of knowledge being exchanged there, or at least knowledge from his end to my end. And I had a really great time working on it. And you guys put out the podcast to preview it. So, uh, you know, we're colleagues now, podcasters. Peers. Equals. That, <laughs> I, I can't match your where you guys are. Yes would send me an email and tell me where we were in the rankings. And a couple of times, I think we, we spiked a couple of times. And, no, no, and, they and, never make any sense. It's anyway. okay, yeah. but I, we're probably going to resurrect something like that in 2020. We'll see. We've been talking about doing that. But like I said, in terms of collaborating, Cone's knowledge was just so enlightening and I think anybody who picks that book up we started out making it a pitching journey but there's also a lot of personal stories in there so it became a personal journey for him as well well he was really open about a lot of things too about the minor leagues about some like rough times and just trying to figure out life as a young kid with a lot of money he uh, was very open about that we touched upon the, some of the incidents he had in his life that he's not too proud of and his relationship with family members, he got into that. And you're right, the story you're referring to is he, his signing bonus. He went out and bought a red Z28, I believe that's what it was, Ooh. and didn't realize, well, you've got to make these payments. You're, you're <laughs> going to have to keep making the payments on the car. And then I think he ended up, I should know this, the book's right over there, traded it in for a... Something you wouldn't brag about. A blue Dodge or a blue Impala or something like that. Yeah. But, yeah, he had to learn. He had to learn how to manage his money. Yeah, I told you before we sat down that I, I as I was reading it, I, I wrote down all these questions because I was fascinated. And I, for you and for Coney, and I, I can't remember all of them. I should have brought it with me. But one was you matched his voice in the words perfectly. 
So I want to know, is that, is that hard to do? At some points I was like, is this uh, talk to type? Like, am I just listening to David Cohn? Because anyone that listens to him, and we all do on broadcast, it just sounded exactly like him because it's written in the first person. And was that a decision that uh, took a while to figure out? Well, first of all, I really appreciate you saying that because that is what an author is trying to do. And that's not necessarily an easy thing to do. David is very intelligent, very vocal, gives long answers to questions, but you can't just transcribe his answer and slap it in a book. Yeah, there's, no. there's nuance, there's, uh, there's details that you have to get in there. And so one of my proudest moments was Coney had a, an event in the city, a charity event over the summer, and the book had been out about a month, and his father came up to me. And I'd met his father before but hadn't seen him in years. And he said, I just wanted to let you know I love the book. And he said what you just said. He said, I knew David's life, but you brought it to life. And it felt like it was David's words page after page after page. And that was a no-brainer to do it in his voice. Uh, as a writer, you'd love to be able to say, well, let, let's write a baseball book. And then David Cohn stood on the mound in Kansas yeah. City's Bud Park trying to become the next uh, Tom Seaver and then quote David Cohn. You got David Cohn's name on the book, David. It's got to be in David Cohn's voice. Yeah, and it, like we said, he opened up. He was very personal, and like, if you read that from someone else, you're like, this is a little. But it coming from the first person, it just really is like, oh, we're in here. We're he's we're open, and he's and we're listening to him talk. That's exactly what it felt like. The book starts with a, we called it a reflection, yes. and it's the eighth Literally. inning, right? It's the eighth inning of his perfect game. He's in the Yankee Stadium bathroom, and he starts talking to himself. Don't blow this those yeah. are the first words he said to himself we were looking for a way to start the book and my editor sean desmond great guy said you need something that's going to grab people well cone is i was at my house we were watching the perfect game that was going to be a chapter and he tells me that story and i, I stopped him i said well, what did you do he said oh, i went up to the bathroom and i started talking to myself i said was that a common occurrence no i'd never done that before and then i dug in i said now i need every detail from that conversation he believed that he was ready physically to get those final three outs, but mentally he was telling himself, you're 36. You may never have another opportunity like this. Do not blow this. And then we, we sort of end the anecdote, a little bit of a cliffhanger, but it's not a cliffhanger. Everybody knows he got the perfect game. So <laughs> it, was a, it was a fun way to start the book, and it's a good stocking stuffer. So if you're looking for is. something for the baseball fan in your life, go get full count. I, was there any revisions where he's like, because it is in first person, and Coney says, Jack, I would never use that word. It's funny that you say that. If, if you notice in the book, I think, I, think we use, I think we have one curse. Okay. And I'm not saying uh, David has a potty mouth, but... He's a ball player. People curse. <laughs> and that was kind of a decision that I made, and he didn't contest it. I didn't want the book to be filled with a bunch of F-bombs that, 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 that were unnecessary, so... We didn't really go down that road. David was great. I would write a chapter, send it to him, and most of the time he would say, looks good. <laughs> a handful of times he, he asked to uh, massage something or, or he'd correct me on something, but for the most part, once it was written, he was, he was good with it. I, I, know, I know very little about book writing. I know very little about a lot of things. That's one of my strengths. What <laughs> did, did stuff like... Did anything get cut that was a good story, or how's that, is, like, maybe that's something you t say on a podcast? That's a, great, that's a great question, Jake. Thanks, so we're out here in San Diego, and one of the 
freelance tech people working with us, a guy named Patrick. I'm sorry, I forget Patrick's. Well, I don't know Patrick's last name. Is he name. Christmas sweater? No, it's the, uh, that's Nick. Okay. Patrick is the guy sitting next to Heather over there. Gotcha. Um, started talking about uh, Oral Hershiser because he works on some of the Dodger broadcasts. And I told him, when I worked on the book with Cohn, if Cohn told a, a Greg Maddox story or an Al Leiter story or a CeCe Sabathia story, how I wanted to make this book stand out was I'm going to call that person and get their perspective. Nice. Cohn loved watching Hershiser pitch, and he talked about that two-seam fastball that, that he feels Hershiser pioneered. That I'd never remember anybody before Hershiser throwing that two-seamer. Maddox came after Hershiser. So we did a whole chapter about that. And in the end, it was just, it had to go. So yeah. it, it hit the cutting room floor, and I felt so bad about it. I sent the chapter to Oral Hershiser. I didn't, I, I didn't waste your time. I want you to know it was written. It just, it just never made it. Yeah. Man, you yeah. got to uh, sell a little leaflet, you know. Ten-year edition with the Oral the scary thing is I could probably have done another 200 pages with, with Coney. We, we, we do have a lot of other things that some stuff has to get cut. You, you just can't get it into. I mean, CC, there was some stuff with CC that uh, we ended up cutting. Just some technique and some things that he did on the mound that was different from what Coney did. But the book was about 400 pages, and you don't want it to really be much more than that. You don't want people to pick it up and, and say, oh, I'm never going to have a chance to read that or or be fearful of the size of the book. We were talking with Phil Hughes, and he said that most major league... Was it Phil Hughes, or was it someone else? I don't know what you're about to say. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, they were saying that uh, you know most major leaguers, if they get signed and they celebrate that, it was Kuznick, an agent, that they're probably not going to get to the MLB. If like getting signed and or drafted is such an achievement that they're probably not going to make it because you want the hungry guys who like you know know the end goal but that wasn't coney in the book like he was like you know i'll make a nice minor league career and i'll pitch a little bit and that's it and then as he saw his friends go up and i thought that was super interesting and that's why when i was with phil hughes he came up with job on ian and stuff and it was similar where like that's kind of pushed him more was that he was in an organization of like competitiveness and he got i don't know if you know jake he got injured um Cone did, and then he saw everyone else go in a World Series while he Saber was Saberhagen, right, right, right. Uh, Gubaza, Danny Jackson. Right, he was injured, and they ascended to win the 85 World Series, and it was crushing to him yeah. because he should have been on that team, right but he busted up. He uh, tore his ACL in a, a collision at home plate. But you're absolutely right, Jake. He was so thrilled to get drafted by his hometown team that there was a period for the first couple years of his career where he thought, I'll be able to tell people I made it to double A. Yeah. And maybe a couple of guys I played with will get to the major leagues, and I'll be able to say, hey, I, I played with him. Wow. But then he, he realized how, how good he was. Yeah. And, and, oh, I'm actually good because he didn't play high school ball, which is always fascinating. It's, um, it's, it's amazing. And to, to this day, I'm, I'm stunned by that. And I don't know of any other major league player I've ever spoken to who could say that, that they didn't play high school baseball. Well, it's, it's weird. You know who didn't? Uh, Yogi Berra didn't. Hey, Bruce. Yogi Berra did it? Yogi Berra played in that, like, uh, college league uh, with the other. The guy became a really big-time announcer. Oh, Garagiola? Yeah, yeah. They played in some. And Babe Ruth played at the orphanage uh, when he was 18, and then 19 he was in the show. I don't, I don't want to get you in trouble, Jack. Spoiler. No. Um, when David, the pitching coach for the Yankees, it comes available, and you're obviously very close with David Cloner. Clone, your clones. Um, you wrote a book. You guys worked together. 
Yankees. There's a lot of different parts there. I mean, could you, like, were you rooting for him? Could you root for him? I, yes. Okay. Yeah, there's no way to sugarcoat yeah. that. I, I think David Cohen would make a terrific pitching yeah. coach. I'm not saying anything about who the Yankees hired. No. Matt Blake has impressive credentials, and I think the Yankees hired a great pitching coach, and I think he will be great for them. But having had a number of discussions with David about that position, sure, I, I was rooting for yeah. him. I was rooting for him to have an opportunity. He interviewed. He told me he thought the interview went well. I think that w- when you're in the game the way he was as a player, I don't know if it's ever easy to not have the the uniform as part of, of your yeah. career. He loves what he does at Yes. I think he could be a really good coach if he wanted to do that as well. I thought they might split it up like they have the two hitting coaches and bring in a guy like Matt Blake who does the deep analytics and knows the video system and knows all that stuff and then have Coney do the mentality of like when I was in this situation or all that stuff. I thought that would have been pretty cool. But also you hear about Coney all the time that he still has that player rep in him and he still fights for his guys in the dugout even though he's in the booth now. <laughs> so uh, that, was, that was something I was like, because Jake was like, why would he want to go... 162 games, and I'm like, I don't think the game's left Coney yet. No, and 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 the mental side of it, that's a that's a great point by you because Cone told me, and I, we put this in the book, is as you're a starting pitcher, there are 130 games where you're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. He felt it was his role as a teammate to help in any way possible, pick up a tip that a pitcher is doing, anything that could help a hitter, help a pitcher. And I just think he watches the game with such a discerning eye that if you listen to him during broadcasts, he'll, he'll predict something that is about to happen. I'm making this up, but Tanaka, Tanaka's slider hasn't looked real sharp this inning, and two pitches later he hangs a slider, and it's, it's out of the ballpark. He, he's, he's such a smart baseball guy. He, should, should we talk Buck? Yeah, I was going to do that. Yeah. Because you, you had Buck Showalter on Yes. Loved it. You guys, and we, we've been quoting him since you had him on. But it's the dumbest thing. It was the emoji DD tweets when you guys were explaining them to him. And he, every time you explained it, Buck just said, thank you. And Jake thank and you. I have been saying thank you in that <laughs> manner since that. I was, we were watching it together just dying. <laughs> Isn't he on the deal? It was really funny. I've known Buck since, well, before he was even a manager. So going on 30 years probably. And... His, again, his depth of knowledge, you, you watch a game with him or you talk to him about baseball and, and you learn so much. So having him in the studio was a treat because for me it, it felt like a flashback to when I was a beat writer for the New York Times in the 90s and he was a manager because you learned so much from him. But the emoji thing, very funny. Buck <laughs> in the studio, very funny. I will give you a little peek behind the curtain. We do our pregame show. We go down to Bob Lorenz's office and watch the game. And Bob's got a big flat screen TV. Nice. We have the ability to rewind, get replays. Everything can, can happen right in that office. Buck would not sit down. No. He's used to standing up watching <laughs> baseball games. So Bob would be behind his desk. I'm, I'm in the little chair, love seat, whatever the heck it is over here. Flaherty's on the other wall sitting in that couch. And Buck would just hover. And it... I have to say, I don't want to speak for Bob, but I think it kind of Bob, uneasy. Bob would turn around and say, "What? Well, hang on, have a seat, have yeah, a seat." But it dawned on me that that's through how he forty lives. years of baseball. This, <laughs> you ever, you ever saw him sitting down in the dugout? He, uh, he's uh, he's up on the uh, on arm, the uh, the crossed. rail. So it, it it was fun, and 
That's funny. I hope. I, I, I wonder I, if Girardi in his home is like, you know, the one leg <laughs> on one step and the one arm on the railing just kind of like. <laughs> I, I thought he would get a job, and he didn't. So I, I hope uh, that he and Yes come to some sort of agreement and then we see him again next year. Well, it's funny. Like, that bit was funny, but the majority of it is actually really, really good baseball. Awesome. Yeah. awesome. He sees things that other people don't see. And some of this didn't even make the air, but one day he was talking about the grounds crews at each individual stadium and how they prepare the fields. And the, the depth to which he knew that, again, I, I forget specifics because I said, what? What are you talking about? In Cleveland, the, the grass is a little shorter. And, and, and in Chicago, they wet down the grass right before the game, so it's going to be soft. And if you were going to bunch, you got to be aware of that just endless yeah. detail that I, I don't know if there is another manager who, who pays attention to that stuff. That's insane. And, I, and the baseball ended early for us. The coaches said, no, thanks. We don't want you on the team. Um, and the two things that I, I went full fanboy to you on Twitter was, um, a, he said, when pitchers throw off, when pitchers are in the field, they normally miss high because they're used to throwing on a slope down the mound. And I was like, again, one of those little details yeah. that like that could be a huge play in the game if a, if a fielder knows that and they know there's a chance the throw is going to be high, like that could change a game. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, I, I think there was a rundown and he was talking about the hands being up or the hands being down, and it's like you just these little things that it, it was so awesome as a. As someone who loves baseball is awesome. His commentary on rundowns was fascinating. Yeah. yeah. We would, and some of it made the air, some of it was just in Bob's office, but he would point something out and say in rundown play that the, the trail runner is waiting and the guy stays in the rundown long enough and he, he gets the base and they get one out. Buck would say that that should have been a double play. And then he would take the remote in Bob's office mm-hmm. and he would back it up and say, see, if right here he pivots and I'm looking and say, yeah, you're right. They they could have gotten a double play in that situation. So a, a really good guy to uh, to have had as part of our coverage last year. Yeah, uh, you got to go. Are we keeping you two on. I got five more minutes. Okay, do you, let's do make you, him. Let's make him count. Let's make him Jack Curry minutes. I we mean, you guys do, want to do music? a trivia as well. Trivia? Oh, I do want to do music. What are you listening to? Catch us up. Mm. This is the Jack Curry music minute. What am I listening to? You, do you know who Tones and I is? No, I don't. Australian uh, female singer. Okay. She's uh she's worth checking out. She's got a song called Dance Monkey. You will uh I you, like will, it, you will dig that song a lot. Did you like Springsteen's new album? I loved it. A little country. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I liked uh, it a lot too. Definitely liked it a lot. Uh I I'm into uh reggae and ska, so I don't know if you, you know the band The Specials. No. I've been listening to the, their album that came out this year. They've been around for about 30 years. And then the last show I went to, you probably haven't heard of this guy either, a guy named Robert Gordon. It's a rockabilly pioneer. 70, I like rockabilly a whole bunch. 72 years old, and this dude was up there in a tux, rocking it, and that was my wife gave me that as a birthday gift, so we, we had a lot of fun watching him perform. But he killed me in this one way. He did a cover version of I Fought the Law, which uh-huh. um, The Clash covered. Yep. Bobby Fuller did the original version. This place was so intimate that after he finished the song, he was, he was fiddling around with the mic or something. He was talking to the audience. It, I wasn't a Yahoo. There was, there was a moment to ask a question. So I said, Robert, you just did I Fought the Law. What's, what's your favorite version? He said, oh, Bobby Fuller. I, I didn't like the Clash's version. I said, oh, oh no. That was very painful oh, for Jack no. Curry to hear that. <laughs> should, he should have said the one you just heard. 
That's okay. true. He could have said that. Said that. Jake, do you have a trivia question? We've been doing trivia with everyone. Trivia. Roosevelt's for, for, the style of shirts you've seen us wearing. For a shirt. And, for and a shirt. Swag. Oh, for well, a shirt. Pressure, pressure's on. How would you say, scale of one to ten, what would you what would you say your baseball knowledge is? In terms of trivia? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I don't want to sound haughty, so maybe I'll give myself an eight. Okay. Not a ten. That's good. That's good. You are a ten, Jake. <laughs> That's too easy. Layups. Um, New York Yankees. Who... On the 2019 New York Yankees, had the most saves. Five, four, four three, two, two one. 2019 Yankees? <laughs> Chapman. You get a shirt. You get a shirt. You get a shirt. a shirt. I thought this was going to be some kind of trick question. Everyone's on edge, and then we just give them an easy one. <laughs> Everyone gives you the face you just gave us, like, are these oh, little shits know, trying to trick me? No, but I'll look bad. <laughs> no, no. So you get a Roosevelt shirt. They, that's they that's awesome. Yeah, they're, they've fantastic. been good people. Yeah. I yeah. late late bonus question, and this is genuine. You can tell when I'm being silly. Or not your professionalism is awesome, and it's something I struggle with completely. Is there anything I can do? Do you have any advice for me? Or we marvel on the podcast when you know he cuts to the studio for those thirty seconds and you deliver those five lines and then it's in and out and we're like, How your game time is sharp. Do that. Well, thank you. It's kind yes. of you guys to say that. Are you serious? You're looking for advice because I'll, your I'll your personality anything. is is what makes you who you are, and Thanks, your sir. your charm is that you're you're a funny guy. <laughs> And that, that oh, wow, look at this shirt. Oh, yeah. My gosh. <laughs> What'd you give me? Am I large? <laughs> yeah, large. Yeah. Nice. Major That's League. The, the Major League Baseball. This guy. is fantastic. Yeah. If, if you're being serious, yeah. I, I guess for me, having a newspaper background, uh, I always wanted to be prepared, beyond prepared for every interview. And I can have fun. I can joke yeah. around. But I, I'm also, when I'm doing my job, I'm pretty you're serious. You're sharp, man. I'm pretty serious <laughs> about it. And I... I watch some pregame shows, mostly football pregame mm-hmm. shows, and it becomes a laugh fest. Yeah, they have too many guys in the room. Yeah, That's a good that, I, I think people are watching for information. So in, in terms of professionalism, to me, if, if you're comfortable with the topic, if, you, if you're comfortable with your knowledge, that has to come across. You, you have to be able to express that. But if you're naturally a funny guy and a guy who likes to joke, there, there's nothing wrong with, with being that guy as well. Yeah. Thank it's, you. It, I think what it boils down to is not an option for you. Okay. <laughs> Professionalism is out the window. Jake, stop trying. Yes. Thank you very much for sitting Jake, down with us. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm sure we'll uh, do this again sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys very much. Everyone go tweet at Jack. Tell him he was great. Tell him, hey, you were absolutely great, Jack. Uh, uh, we've said this a bunch. Jack came on talking Yanks. He was our first ever guest. He had no business saying yes to us at that time and coming on. He's been nothing but kind and nice, so we appreciate it. Anything else, Jake? Uh, no, I'll, I'll give my own thank you to Jack um, for kindly telling me that I, I can never be professional. He's awesome. Like you said, I mean, baseball, whether it's baseball, music, um, dropping Swedish fish in front of us, he's, he's been the best. Jim, I do, uh, I, I do have to give a mini shout-out. You, you got me added to a Yankees Twitter group chat this week. You're actually in it? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I uh, I was added to the Talk and Wanks group chat. Um, oh, the, the, <laughs> I didn't know what Talk yeah. and Wanks stood for when Frankie tweeted that. What's it stand for? Uh, talk and I'm yeah. I'll I'll let you put two plus two together. But uh, yeah, it started with a, a lot of Yankees of ladies Twitter. Um, Jimmy threw my hat in the ring. They they kindly added me. Um, it it it's kind of a wild space, man. There's there's a lot of like. 
uh, a lot of love being spread, a lot of a lot of you go and pumping each other up, and I love it. And uh, uh, it's also you know a, some don't be creepy on Twitter. People are sending out pics of their pics of their biscuits and stuff, and uh, yeah, just don't do that, people. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. So yeah, there was right. a uh, ladies of Yankees Twitter DM, and I just was. I was wondering why yeah. you weren't in there. Uh, as was I, um, kind of, kind of offended, offended at the start. But uh, yeah, and I, I know uh, we in our earlier stages we had some of our listeners that were like, "Why do you guys reference the Twitter stuff?" If you're not involved in Yankees Twitter, honestly, check it out. Like I, I wasn't a big Twitter guy, but it really is a community. And like, dude, I, I was the dude on AOL and AIM that was just. I don't know, talking sports in different places I could. And this was awesome. I mean, we got friendships forming and stuff. Um, yes, I did have to put it on mute because they're sending about 100 messages a minute. Um, but yeah, go uh, go talking wanks. Yep. And we're out. Go Yanks. Tell them Grams. No, not yet. Be on the lookout for all the podcasts. Like, I don't know what their holiday plan is. I know that some of the interviews we have are long. Uh, and the patrons can tell you that too, because they're already up. So if there's more news, we will do you know a reaction and an interview mixed. If there's not a lot of news, you'll probably just get an interview uh, during the holidays, and then we'll do a voicemail up here and there as well. We're gonna kind of play it by ear, but it'll be the same schedule. Tuesdays and Friday drops, and uh, enjoy it. Thank you guys very much. Go Yanks! Tell them, Grams. Go Yankees! <laughs> <laughs>